Hello, and welcome to the New Hope Church Podcast. Whether you are a member of our church family, either in person or online, or just checking us out for the first time, we believe that you belong here at New Hope Church, and we hope that this message speaks to you today. Don't forget to check us out online at newhopechurch.tv, and we'd love to connect with you on social media at New Hope Church TV. Thanks for listening, and we hope you enjoy. Well, I want to welcome all of our campuses to New Hope Church, those of you at Friendswood, Alvin, Webster, those of you right here at the 288 campus, and of course, all of you watching online. We are so glad and grateful that you've made the decision to be in church today. My name is John, and my prayer for each and every one of us is that we would be stretched and strengthened as we study God's Word together. Well, if you are just joining us, we are in part three of a lesson series we're calling Unfiltered Jesus. Basically, we are making our way through the first few chapters of the fourth book of the New Testament. That would be the book of John. And as we discovered in week one, John was one of Jesus's very first followers, but he was also one of Jesus's closest friends. And so if anyone knew the real unfiltered Jesus, it was John. And if you want to know the real unfiltered Jesus, then a great place to start would be the book of John. So with that in mind, I want you to go ahead and open up your Bibles to John chapter 1. We are going to start in verse 35 today, but as you are turning there, I want to remind everybody why John chose to write his gospel. John actually tells us why he decided to write this book in John chapter 20, verse 31. You don't have to flip there. I'm going to put it on the screen. Here's what I would like you to do, though. Read the highlighted words out loud with me and read it like you mean it. Here we go. John writes this in chapter 20, verse 31. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. By the way, this is exactly why we are doing this series. We are studying the words of John so that we might believe in Jesus and experience the full life that he promises. But in order for us to get there, we've got to strip away all the filters. We've got to strip away some of the preconceived ideas put on Jesus by our culture. So who is this unfiltered Jesus? Well, in week one, Pastor Tim taught that Jesus is the word. Then last week, we learned that Jesus comes in grace and truth. But as we're about to find out today, Jesus is so much more than that. In fact, in our passage that we're going to study today, we find seven titles for Jesus. Seven titles for Jesus. Now, this is interesting to me because throughout his book, John uses the number seven repeatedly. For example, John writes about the seven I am statements of Jesus. Uh, John uh, mentions seven miracles that Jesus performed. Uh, John mentions seven witnesses that give testimony to Jesus. And so over and over again, John uses this number seven. And this makes sense because the number seven is God's number. The number seven is also the number of completion, meaning all throughout his book, John is doing his best to give his readers and, and you and I, he's trying to give all of us the full, complete, unfiltered version of Jesus. So what titles do we find in our text today? Well, I'm going to run through them very quickly. First of all, in verse 35, uh, Jesus is the Lamb of God. Then in verse 38, he is called Rabbi. In verse 41, he's referred to as Messiah. In verse 45, Jesus is called the Son of Joseph. In verse 49, he's referred to as the Son of God. He's also referred to as the King of Israel in that verse. And then finally, in verse 51, Jesus calls himself the Son of Man. 
Now, each, each one of these titles are so rich on their own. In fact, we could do a lesson series on each one of these titles, but it's only when we put them all together that we truly understand who the unfiltered Jesus really is. And, and this is important for us because there are people out there that when they look at this list, they, they would say, well, well, I, I, can, I can believe some of the things that are on this list, but I'm not, I'm not sure I can buy into, I'm not sure I'm 100% with everything that's on this list. And so they might say, yeah, yeah, I believe that Jesus was a good man or that Jesus was a good teacher or, or that he was a good example to follow. I might, even, I might even believe that he performed a few good miracles while he was on the earth, but, but the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world, or the, the Son of God, I don't, I don't know if I can believe that. And yet, according to those who knew him best, according to those who spent time with him the most, they would say that Jesus was all of those things and so much more. They would say, yes, Jesus was fully human, but he is also fully God. Yes, he was a great teacher, but he is also a royal king who sits on the throne. Yes, he was the anointed one from heaven, but he is also the savior of the world. And the best part is he holds nothing back from us. Instead, Jesus offers all of himself to every single person. So with that in mind, I want to ask you, a question. Here it is. Have you ever received an offer that was too good to be true? Anybody ever receive an offer that was too good to be true? I know, I, know that, I know that I have. In fact, recently I was told that I won a brand new car. And the way, <laughs> the way that it happened was I'm at my house, go to the mailbox, open up the mailbox, and in the mailbox is a scratch-off ticket from a car dealership, okay? It's a game piece from a car dealership. At the very top, it says guaranteed winner for every match, and then the number one prize was a brand-new car. So I'm I, looking at my game piece, I'm thinking, there's, there, there's no way, right? I'm not going to win a brand-new car today, but hey, let's give it a shot. So I start to scratch off the two wax circles, and as I'm scratching, to my surprise, guess what? Guess what? Guess what I find on my car? I've got two identical matching cars. And so I think, well, according to the card, it looks like I've just won. And so I run in the house, tell my wife, Irene, I think we just won a brand new car. She said, let me see that. She's looking at it. She says, no, there's no way we want a brand new car. If something sounds too good to true, it probably is not true. I said, well, you're probably right. But then I did what any self-respecting man would do. I jumped in one of my old cars, drove to the dealership, and I said, I'm here to pick up my new car. That's why I'm here. <laughs> of course, when I get on location, I show one of the employees my game piece. They say, congratulations, you're a winner. I'm like, whoop, whoop, I'm a winner, you know. And then they start to ask me uh, several questions, which I thought was weird, but, you know, it's their store, so whatever. I'll answer some questions. One of the questions was, uh, can you tell me what cars you currently own? And so I, I list, list through the cars that I currently own. I get finished, and they have a follow-up question. The guy says, would you like to sell? Would, like to sell? any of the cars that you currently own. I said, no, no, don't, don't want to sell. Don't want to sell any of the cars I currently own. Just here to pick up the new car that I want today. That's, that's it. That's all, that's all I want. That's all I want. <laughs> then the guy says this to me. He says, well, uh, Mr. Davis, you understand that the card you're holding is a marketing piece. I said, yeah, well, 
Yes, I do understand that this is a marketing piece, but it's starting to feel like and sound like there might be some false advertising going on here. He said, no, 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 I can assure you that uh, there's no false advertising, that if you got a match, then you are a winner. And then he pointed to a little tiny number that was at the bottom of, the, of, the, of my, my game piece. And he walked me to a giant poster that was in the middle of the lobby, and it had all, all these prizes on there. And then he said, according to your number, you've won this prize right here. He said, you've, you've won a gift card to Walmart in the amount of five whole dollars. <laughs> uh, so I took that gift card, <laughs> got back in my old car and drove home. You know what I'm saying? So, mm. If it sounds too good to be true, it probably is. Now, you, you would think that I would know this by now at this point in my life, right? You would think that I would know that if it sounds too good to be true. If somebody makes you an offer that sounds too good to be true, it probably is, unless the person making that offer is Jesus. Can I get an amen right there? Amen, yeah. Now, in our text today, we're going to look at three conversations that Jesus has with five of his very first followers. And as we do, we're going to discover three incredible promises that he makes to them. And because we have the opportunity to follow Jesus, I believe that Jesus makes these same offers to us. And so what are these offers that Jesus make? Well, if you're taking notes, you might want to write these down. This would be number one. First of all, Jesus offers to meet your deepest need. Jesus offers to meet your deepest need. Need. Now we're going to pick up in John chapter 1, verse 35. This is where we left off last week. And so here we go. Uh, starting with verse 35, it says this. The next day, John was there again with two of his disciples. When he saw Jesus passing by, he said, look, the Lamb of God. Now let me stop right there for just a second. I want to make sure we're all on the same page. The John that's mentioned here at the beginning of our text is actually a reference to John the Baptist. John the Baptist was a cousin of Jesus, but he was also a preacher. More importantly, God had commissioned him to prepare the way for the coming Messiah. Now, the other two guys that are mentioned in this text, one of them, his name is John. He's the writer of this gospel. He's the writer of the book that we're studying. The other guy is Andrew. And originally, John and Andrew were followers of John the Baptist. That is until Jesus arrived on the scene. As soon as Jesus arrives on the scene, John the Baptist, he looks at his followers and he says, hey, you guys don't need to follow me anymore. You need to follow that guy. Okay, you need to follow the Lamb of God. So what would they do? Well, we find out in our text. It says, when the two disciples heard John say this, they followed Jesus. And turning around, Jesus saw them following and asked, what do you want? Now in this passage, we get the very first words spoken by Jesus as recorded in the book of John. And this is an important detail because John wants to give us the right impression. John wants to give us the right first impression of Jesus. What I find interesting is that the first words that John chooses to write coming from Jesus aren't, aren't a statement. They don't come in the form of a statement. Instead, they come in the form of a question. What do you want? Now, as I, as I read that, I thought, man, that's that's a pretty good question right there, isn't it? Not a bad question at all. What, what do you want? But how many of us ever stop long enough to really consider what it is that we want? If I, if I had to guess, I would say that most of us are, are so busy trying to figure out what other people want, right? Like, uh, what does my spouse want? What do my kids want? What, is, what does the boss want? What does the world tell me that I should want? We're, we're so busy trying to figure out what other people want that rarely do we stop to consider what it is that we want. 
That, that said, if you were to ask, you know, 100 different people that question, what do you, what do you want? You would probably get, I don't know, 100 different answers. So, so, some people might say, well, this is what I want. I just really want to be happy. I mean, is that, is that too much to ask? Can I, can, can, can I just be happy? Uh, others might say, I just want my family to be healthy. Uh, others would say, I, I want a better job. I want whiter teeth. You know, I want a different relate, relationship status. I want more affordable more affordable housing. There would be some people out there say, I just want my kids to give me grandbabies already. You know what I'm saying? Like, can we make that happen anytime, anytime soon? Then there are folks who look back over the last couple of years and they think, man, things have been so crazy. You know what I want? I just want things to go back to normal. And yet without much consideration of the question, we, we start to chase. We chase after the things we think we want. Unfortunately, so much of what we think we want doesn't really satisfy our deepest needs. I could, I could illustrate it like this. Uh, by show of hands at all of our campuses, uh, how many of you, how many of you would say, yes, I like Mexican food? Any, any Mexican food fans? In the, oh, whoa, we got a lot of fans, a lot of hands going up everywhere. Exactly. Well, if you're living in Texas, it's kind of a rule, right? Like if you live here, it's like a given that you're going to like Mexican food. I live here, so I like Mexican food as well. And it really doesn't even matter what kind of Mexican food it is. I, I like it all. I like it all. Okay. So it could be authentic Mexican food. It could be Tex-Mex Mex Mexican food. It could be Baja Mexican food. It could be gringos, Jimmy Changas, Papacitos, Taco Bell. <laughs> hey, that last one, only in, in case of an emergency, okay? Only, <laughs> o- only, if the, <laughs> only in case of emergency. But here's the deal. I've, I've eaten enough Mexican food at this point in my life that I've discovered that there's, there's, there's one problem with Mexican food. Okay, just one problem with Mexican food. You guys know what it is? It's, it's not what you think it is, Okay. Actually, I don't, I don't know what you're thinking. Might not want, might not want to know what you're thinking right now, but uh, here, here it is. Here's what I think the problem with Mexican food is, the chips and salsa, okay? You, you better believe the chips and salsa are the problem, and, and, and you know how it works. You go into a Mexican restaurant, you sit down at a table, what happens? What happens? Uh, chips and salsa magically appear on your table. You don't even know. And, and normally when I'm sitting there, I'm so hungry, right? Like I just, I'm like, man, that looks good. I think I want some chips and salsa. So I start putting them in my mouth and, and you know, just one after the other. And pretty soon they're all gone. I don't even know what happened to the chips. I'm looking at Irene. Did you eat the chips? No, no. I think you ate Yeah, it was. So one of us ate the chips and, and then the chip basket's empty, but somebody on the wait staff, they notice, and so without even me asking, they come back, and they've got more chips and salsa, and because I have no self-control whatsoever, I'm eating those too. <laughs> unfortunately, unfortunately, by the time the entree arrives, I'm already full, and, and, and the worst part is, even though I'm already full, I'm not really satisfied, and the reason I'm not satisfied is because I didn't go there. I, I didn't want the chips. What I really wanted were the fajitas. But I settled for the chips and had to take the fajitas home and give those to the dog. That's how that works out right there, right? So, well, I think that, I think that, I think that many of us are that way, right? We just get so caught up settling for the one thing that's right in front of us. We get, we get so caught up chasing after the one thing we think we want that we never truly find the one who offers all we could ever want. And, and so enter Jesus with his question, what do you want? What do you want? Now, just to be clear, Jesus didn't ask the question to John and Andrew because he didn't know the answer. Okay, John, Jesus knew exactly 
what it was that they wanted. More importantly, Jesus knew exactly what it was that they needed, but Jesus asked them the question because he wants them to think about it. Specifically, he, he wants them to think about what it is that they really want, not from life, but what they really want from him. And I would argue that Jesus really wants us to think about the same question. So let me, let me ask it to you. What is it that you want from him? What, why are you here? What, what are you seeking today? You see, I, I believe that all of us are here for something, whether we realize it or not. All of us want something from God, whether we truly understand what that is or not. So what, what is it that you want? Well, how would, how would Andrew and John answer the question? It's interesting to me, they choose to answer Jesus' question with a question of their own. Let's pick back up in verse 38. Jesus says, what do you want? They said, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? Come and see, he replied. So they went and saw where he was staying, and they spent that day with him. It was about the 10th hour. Now, the text tells us that these two men call Jesus rabbi, which means they understood that Jesus was a teacher, but I want you to notice what they didn't ask the teacher. They didn't ask the teacher, what do you know? Instead, what did they ask? Where are you staying? In other words, they didn't really want to spend time in a classroom. What they really wanted was to spend time with Jesus. And in return, Jesus doesn't give them information. Instead, he offers an invitation to come and see. And man, I, I love this response because it's such a strong reminder that Jesus doesn't force himself on anyone. Rather, Jesus openly invites everyone to find out for themselves who he is and what he's all about because he knows that what all of us really want, what all of us really need is a relationship with him. So how does Jesus offer himself to us? Well, Scripture reminds us that to the lonely, Jesus offers friendship. To those who are weary and heavy laden, Jesus offers rest. To those who are worried, Jesus offers peace. To those stuck in bondage, Jesus offers freedom. To those with no direction, Jesus offers purpose. To those who've made mistakes in the past, Jesus offers forgiveness. Aren't you glad Jesus offers forgiveness? To those, yeah... To those who are broken in spirit, Jesus offers hope. And so, just so you know, Jesus didn't come to offer more religion. Jesus came to offer us a relationship with himself. And just, just as he invited John and Andrew to come and see, I believe that Jesus offers the same thing to us. Jesus says, if you'll spend time with me, if you'll believe in me, if you'll follow me, if you'll seek me, then you will find me. And I promise when you find me, I will meet your deepest needs. But it all starts by accepting the simple invitation to come and see. So maybe you're here today and maybe you're new to this whole church thing. Maybe you're not even sure what it is that you really want. I'm just going to encourage you to keep coming back every single week. I'm going to encourage you to dive in to the book of John with us. I'm going to encourage you to get to know this unfiltered Jesus because the more you get to know him, the more you're going to find out that he's all you really need. Which leads us to point number two. Jesus also offers to give you a better name. 
Jesus offers to give you a better name. Let's go ahead and take a look at verses 40 and 41. It says this, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, we found the Messiah, that is the Christ. Now here at No Hope Church, we, we have a, a mission statement that we often say and repeat, and if you've been here for any length of time, chances are good that you've heard it, but we exist to know Christ and make him known. That's it, right? That, that is it. In other words, once uh, you find and follow Jesus, guess what your job is? Your job is to help other people find and follow Jesus. And that's exactly what we see going on in our text today. Andrew found Jesus, and so what does he do? He goes and finds his brother Simon. He says, I'm going to introduce you to somebody. I want to inter- introduce you to Jesus. And so Peter says, or, uh, Simon says in that moment, sure, yeah, I'm, I'll go with you. And in that moment, uh, Jesus changed something about Peter, and I just let the cat out of the bag. But that's okay. Let's get to verse 42. Uh, Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John, but from now on you're going to be called Cephas, which when translated is Peter. Now, now, if anyone's ever called you by the wrong name, or if anybody has ever called you by a nickname, then you can, you can relate to Simon here, okay? Because that's exactly what's going on. Jesus says, I'm going I'm to change your name. I'm going to change your name from Simon to Cephas, uh, which means Peter. Now, why in the world would Jesus change his name? Well, to understand that, you have to understand what the word Peter means. And that word Peter, it means rock, Okay, Peter means rock, and I already know what some of you are thinking. Some of you are thinking about the rock Dwayne Johnson right now, right? That's what you're thinking about. In fact, some of you might be thinking, if you can smell what the rock is cooking, right? I mean, your brain just automatically went there, but just so you know, uh, Jesus didn't have the WWE in mind, okay? When he changed Simon's name, uh, he had something better in mind. Or let me say it another way, Jesus had something bigger in mind, a bigger purpose for Peter. You see, Jesus knew that someday on this rock, I will build my kingdom. So Jesus isn't just giving him a better name. He's giving him a bigger purpose. But just so you know, when Jesus met Simon, he was far from a rock. Peter was more like jello. Peter was compulsive. He was a loose cannon. Uh, Peter would melt. His faith would melt when the heat was on. But the unfiltered Jesus saw something in Peter. Jesus saw leadership. Jesus saw boldness. Jesus saw potential despite the imperfections, meaning Jesus knew exactly who it was that Peter would become. Jesus knew that it would be Peter who would preach the very first sermon, moving thousands of people to put their faith in Christ. Jesus knew that Peter would be a leader in the church, changing entire communities. Jesus also knew that someday Peter would be crucified for what he believed, but in that moment, his faith would be as solid as a rock. And I believe that just as Jesus saw something in Peter's future, that he sees something in your future as well. I want to show you a picture. This is actually a picture of our student ministry. And right now our students are meeting together in life groups every Sunday night. And I'm so proud to be able to announce and to tell you that last Sunday night, last Sunday night we had 574 teenagers show up at all of our campuses to study God's word and challenge one another to live out their faith. You should be clapping about that right now. 574 students at all of our campuses. 
And, and I, can, I, I gotta tell you, this picture does, doesn't do it justice, all right? It, it is powerful what is happening in these small groups here on Sunday nights. It, it's so incredible to hear kids sharing their testimonies and encouraging one another uh, with, 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 with their testimonies. They're, they're encouraging one another, but, but I gotta tell you, it, it is probably as hard right now to be a teenager as any point in history. And what our, what our kids are dealing with right now is heartbreaking. But so many of our kids, they know that regardless of the mistakes that they've made in the past or regardless of the struggles that they face right now in the present, that God has called them for more. That they know that, that Jesus has given them a better name, that God, God has a bigger purpose in mind for them, and that God wants to use them to transform the future. And so they, they are meeting together on Sunday nights, and it's changing their relationships, but it's not just changing the, the relationships they have here at church. It's, it's changing the ones they have at, at their homes and in their schools, in their locker rooms, in their com- communities. It's absolutely incredible what God is doing. Now, now you, you may be sitting here, and you may be thinking, uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if, if God could use someone like me. And let me just encourage you by giving, giving you some of the names that God has given to you. According to scripture, you are a child of the one true king. You are a citizen of heaven. You are a new creation. That means the old is gone, the new has come. You are filled by the power of the Holy Spirit. You are holy and blameless. You are forgiven. You should be getting excited right about now because you are the righteousness of God. You are redeemed. You are blessed beyond measure. You are God's workmanship created to do good works. You are salt and light. You are chosen. You are loved. The list goes on and on. But yeah. List goes on and on, but my point is the moment that you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, God has already given you a better name. And so he doesn't define you by who you think you are. He defines you by who he says you are. And what that means is that some of us need to stop using the names that we've given to ourselves or the labels that other people put on us or the accusations of the enemy. Instead, we need to start stepping into the names that God has given us because he's got a better name and a bigger purpose for each and every one of us. One of, uh, one of the best names that he's given us is just that name, Christian. I love that name because it's not just a name we call ourselves. It is a calling. It is who we are. It is what Jesus is doing inside of us and what he wants to do through us. And so aren't you glad that Jesus gives you a better name? That does lead us to one final offer from Jesus. Here it is. Jesus offers to show you a greater life. Jesus offers to show you a greater life. Let's uh, pick up with verse 43. It says this, Then the next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, Follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethesda. Philip then found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Check out what Nathanael says next. He says, Nazareth, can anything good come from Nazareth? Philip said, Come and see. Now, hopefully you're picking this up. But at this point, Jesus is building his team. Eventually, he ends up with 12 disciples, but uh, right here we meet number four and number five. Number four is a man named Philip. Jesus says, follow me. He follows him. Then Philip immediately goes to find a man named Nathaniel. And when Philip finds Nathaniel, he says, hey, we found the guy. 
We've, we found the one. We found the, the individual, the person that, that, that Moses talks about and the prophets told us. We've, we've found this person. Of course, upon hearing this incredible news, Nathaniel has his doubts. Nathaniel's not sure that he's, he's picking this up and buying this at all. Like, and so with skepticism in his voice, what does Nathaniel say? Can anything good come from Nazareth? And just so you know, that'd be like you and I saying, can anything good come from Dallas? You know, you know. <laughs> I'm, I'm kidding. I'm kidding about that, okay? We, we love Dallas, just not the Dallas Cowboys, okay? Just not the Cowboys. So let me get that clear. Now, now regardless, Nathaniel believed that nobody who was anybody could come from Nazareth, let alone the Messiah, and so, so how did his friend Philip respond to him and, and respond to his doubts? What, what, did, what did Philip say? Philip simply said, come and see, come and see. The very same words that Jesus used when speaking to Andrew and John. By the way, this is not a bad way to invite your friends to church, okay? Come, come and see, come and see. So Nathaniel says, all right, I'll come and see. Story continues in verse 47. When Jesus saw Nathaniel approaching, he said of him, here truly is an Israelite in whom there's no deceit. Nathanael says, how do you know me? Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. And Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. I tell you, you will see greater things than that. He then added very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the son of man. Now, I know there's a lot going on here, but the quick version is this. Nathaniel has his doubts about Jesus. He has his doubts about this son of Joseph from Nazareth. He has his doubts until Jesus said, I saw you. I saw you under the fig tree. Apparently, Nathaniel thought that he was all alone. He thought he was in a solitary place. He thought nobody could ever know about his secret place. But Jesus knew exactly where he would been. And you better believe that if Jesus knew exactly where he had been, then he also knew what he had been thinking. Can anything good come from Nazareth? But I want you to notice that Jesus does not get upset at Nathaniel's lack of faith. There's no condemnation. There's no criticism just an observation. I saw you under the fig tree. And that observation led to a revelation. And in that moment, something happened. Nathaniel's doubts disappeared and his spiritual eyes were opened and he could see Jesus for who he truly is, the King of Israel, the Son of God. As I was uh, reading this story, it reminded me of a recent trip I took to the eye doctor. Uh, because I can't see, I need glasses. So you, you know how the eye doctor is. You go in, they give you an examination, and um, while I'm getting the examination, uh, the girl helping me said this to me. She said, uh, people, people, people your age qualify for special glasses. I said, what, 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 what do you mean people, people my age? People my, what do you mean people my age? She said, oh, no. Well, what I mean by that is, you know, as people get older, their eyes don't, don't work like they used to. They don't adjust as quickly as, as they once did. And so we, we offer bifocal lenses and glasses to people like you. I said, well, 
I don't believe I need bifocals. Okay, I can assure you, I can assure you, okay, all I need are the regular glasses. That's what I, I can assure you. My eyes are fine, so let's, let's do the regular glasses. She said, okay. A couple weeks later, they call me. They say, your glasses are ready. I go in, I pick them up, I put them on. Couldn't see a thing. <laughs> I mean, I could see a little bit far away, but I couldn't see anything in front of my face. And so I took the glasses off and I said, I believe you. I, be- I believe you. I need, I need special glasses. Then, then I pulled out a gift card to Walmart for $5. And <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> that last part I made up. Okay, I made that last part up. I didn't, I didn't do that. The rest of it was true, though. And now, now, look, bifocals, bifocals, okay? Just embrace it, people. Just embrace, embrace it. All right, it's okay. So what, what does that story have to do with you and I and the unfiltered Jesus? Well, here it is. Jesus offers us the opportunity to see greater things than we ever could on our own. But to see it, we have to believe it. We have to believe that Jesus is who he claimed to be, the way, the truth, and the life. Of course, that doesn't mean that, that, that we won't have doubts along the way. Nathaniel did. It, it, it doesn't mean that, that we won't be 100% sure at times. Nathaniel wasn't. And I just want you to know if that's where you're at today, that it's all right, that, that, that God can handle our doubts. But more importantly, he just wants to open our eyes. And so he's going to do everything in his power to help us get there. How do, how do we get there? We simply accept what he offers. He offers so many incredible things. He offers to meet our deepest needs. He offers to give us a better name. He offers to show us greater things than we could ever see on our own. But it all starts by making the decision to put our faith and trust in him. And I can promise that if you will do that, what you will discover is that Jesus is all you could ever want because he is all you will ever need. At this point, we're going to take communion together as a church family and... um, I'm going to actually pass off or hand off to our campus pastors. And so those of you at our other campuses, thank you so much for tuning in. And we love you and we'll see you real soon. For those of you who are in the room with me, I'm going to just encourage you to go ahead and stand up and take out uh, your communion cup. You should have received that when you came in today. Communion is really made up of two parts. There's bread and juice, um, both which represent who Jesus is and what he did for us. Uh, When we started our text today, John the Baptist referred to Jesus as, anybody remember? The lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. And so today what we're gonna do is just honor the lamb of God, the one who came to do what we couldn't do for ourselves. He went to the cross, he took God's wrath on himself, he took the punishment we deserve so that we could be forgiven, so that we could have peace with God. And so as a church family, we just come together and we recognize who he is and what he did for us. That's what we're gonna do right now. And so if you would, go ahead and peel back the paper. I go ahead and take out the bread. As you eat the bread, I just want you to thank Jesus for coming to this earth. Thank, thank him for coming to this earth to do what you couldn't do for yourself. And then if you would, go ahead and peel back the top of the juice. The greatest thing that Jesus did for us is he gave his life so that we would have life. And so as you take the juice, just thank you for his offer of forgiveness.
We never want to uh, end the service without giving you the opportunity to make Jesus your Lord, Savior, and friend. And so I'm going to give you that chance to do that right now. If you've never accepted Jesus' offer to come and see, come and see. You can do that today. Our prayer partners will be right down front. If you just need prayer for anything, come down front, talk to one of them. They would be glad to lead you through that decision. But let me pray, and then we'll be dismissed. God in heaven, thank you so much for all you do in our lives. Thank you for your word that uh, helps us to understand and see who the true unfiltered Jesus really is. Uh, God, I'm just so thankful that you loved us so much that you would send your son to die for us in our place on the cross. And so it's in his name that I pray and ask all these things. And all God's people said, Amen. amen. Thank you guys very much. Look forward to seeing you very soon. If you enjoyed the podcast, we encourage you to subscribe. Share it with friends and family, or let us know by tagging us at New Hope Church TV on social media. We would love to connect with you. Thanks for listening.